Good afternoon, everyone. Today we are on the fifth letter to the seven churches, the church in Sordis. This would be in Revelation 3, 1 through 6. But I would like to open us up in prayer. Father, we give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, give us ears to hear. And Father, we ask you for wisdom. Help us to understand the scriptures, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Revelation 3, 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So a background on Sardis. Sardis would be considered the sleeping church. Christ describes Sardis as the dead church. Sardis was a wealthy and a com comfortable community, a wealthy and a comfortable church. Sardis geographically was built very high, protected by rock walls, except on the south side. But because they were built high, they were overconfident. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 tells us, if you think you're standing firm, be careful not to fall. Sardis had a reputation that they were an assembly of Christians. However, they were just going through the motions. We see in verse 1 that Christ presents himself as he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. So the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, the seven spirits of God would represent the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Christ is describing himself as the one empowered, the one that controls all of the churches. We remember by reading in Revelation 2, 1, that the reason he can tell these churches, I know, is because he walks in the midst of the seven lampstands. So he knows all about these seven churches because he walks in the midst of them. 
He tells them in verse 2 to be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. So this command here to be watchful would be a command telling them to wake up. This congregation, they must be alert to the seriousness of the situation that they are falling asleep or some of them are, are already asleep. The situation, however, is not totally hopeless, but immediate steps should be taken to strengthen that which remains. Otherwise, those things that are dying will be followed by completely and totally dead. They, the, the death will follow if they don't wake up. It seems as if their works in the church in Sardis just don't measure up to the standard of Christ. All of these things are also comparing our church today. We go on to read in verse 3, he tells them, Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. So what is he telling them to remember? He's telling them, remember how you have received and heard. It, we believe what they have received was the gospel. What they heard probably were the teachings of the apostles and the prophets who brought the gospel to them. So he's telling them that they need to repent by restoring the gospel and the apostolic doctrine to its authority over their lives. This, this warning uh, would also be speaking to today's church. Today's church needs to take the word of Christ seriously. If the church in Sardis doesn't repent, he's telling them that he will come to them in judgment as a thief, which means he's going to come to them by surprise. It's not, it's not believed that this reference to a thief is referring to the second coming, but this is referring to he will come to them by surprise, opposing them in judgment. So we go on to verse 4, and we read, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So it's, it, it seems as though the majority had departed, because he says you have a few names. So there's only a few that, that, that are holding fast to Christ, but the majority of them have departed from, from their faithful obedience to Christ. And that is the same thing as in our church today. We have a few that have remained true. We have a remnant. But the majority, sadly, the, the majority of the church, they have departed from their faithful obedience to Christ. We read in verse 4 where he says... Um, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. We believe that he's he's using the word garment here because Sardis was a sinner 
um, a center for the manufacture of, of carpets and, and wool. So that's why he's referring to garments here, to clothing here. And whenever he says, you have, we have, a, you have a few that have not defiled their garments, that the, a soiled garment seems to be a symbol for mingling with pagan life um, and also idolatry. And they defiled the purity of their relationship to Christ. The same thing is happening in the church today. And then he goes on to tell them the, that there are a few names that haven't defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So white garments would be symbolic of the righteousness and the victory and the glory of God. And it seems as though this church in Sardis, it seems as though they were occupied. They were more concerned with, with what they looked like on the outside. They didn't care about, about their inward purity toward Christ. And, and, and we read in scripture that Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs because, you know, they had these nice fancy clothing that they wore. They, they were dressed, um, they were always dressed perfectly. Outwardly, they seemed to be perfect. Um, he called them whitewashed tombs, which a, a, a whitewashed tomb is perfect on the outside, but what's, what is on the inside of the tomb but death? They were dead on the inside. So, so that would be a description of this church in Sardis. That would also be a description of the church today. There are many that outwardly they appear to be Christians, but inwardly they, they are either dead or they, or they are dying. So we go on to verse 5, and he says that he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So for Christ to say that he will never blot out the overcomer's name from the book of life, this is a strong, a strong promise that death can never separate us from Christ and also the life that he offers. We read that in Romans 8, 38 through 39. A person who has their name written in the book of life, a person who is actually enrolled in the book of life, by faith will remain in it by faithfulness and can only be erased by disloyalty. So this reference to, I will not blot your name out, means that your name can be blotted out. This is not something that just happens accidentally. Um, we hear people say that, you know, you can lose your salvation, um, which, which would mean your name would have been, will, will have been erased out of the book of life. You don't just accidentally, it's not a, oops, uh, I think I lost my salvation. I can't find it. When, when we lose our salvation, it's, it's a choice. You choose you choose to turn your back on Christ. You choose to lose your salvation. So, you know, really technically that, that's the wrong word. It, 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 it shouldn't even be described as, as you can lose your salvation. It, it should be changed to you can choose to walk away and turn away from your salvation. Now that's, and that's not the same thing as a backslider. A backslider is one that falls away, um, lives in sin, but comes back to Christ. 
Someone that truly loses their salvation is someone that has completely and totally turned their back on Christ with no intention of ever looking to Christ ever again. So these, this letter ends as all of the letters end. Um, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The church is called against having simply a religious profession. You must be born again. There must be a personal relationship with Christ. He must know you and you must know him. When he says that he will acknowledge our name, I'm going to go back to verse 5. At the end of verse 5, he tells us that he will confess his name before my father and before his angels. His promise to acknowledge our name before the father and his angels. Acknowledge would be a strong word for confession before the courts. It, it's Christ's confession of our name before the Father and his angels that assures us of our heavenly citizenship. So as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as true Christian followers, we, we are members of his kingdom. We are not of this world. We are in this world, but we are not to be of this world. We know and we believe that our citizenship is in heaven. And we read that in Philippians 3:20. As a result of this, we are to put aside the deeds of darkness and we are to put on the armor of light. Romans 13:12. We are waging spiritual battle, but the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. According to 2 Corinthians 10.4, we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. According to Matthew 6.33, and we will rest in the knowledge that our king will give us eternal life. The world and all of its desires, they will pass away. But whoever does the will of God will live forever. 1 John 2.17 We are on earth for now, but this is not our permanent home. Our earthly lives are nothing but a vapor in comparison to eternity, according to James 4:14. This world in its present form is passing away. 1 Corinthians 7:31. The sufferings and the trials of this world are a part of life, but in remembering that we are not of this world, we know that such things are just for a little while. 1 Peter 5.10 The knowledge that we are not of this world gives Christians hope, even in the darkest times. 1 Peter 1, 6-9 This broken place, it is not where we ultimately belong. Praise God. And it is not where we will stay. Hebrews 13.14 We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hebrews 12.28 my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. As a part of Jesus' kingdom, we are not of this world. We have been adopted as heirs of heaven by God himself. 
and that is where our citizenship is, Titus 3.7. And until our king returns, we wait, Titus 2.13, and we hope, Romans 5.5, and we do what we can to bring others into the not-of-this-world relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you will help us to remember, to understand, to retain your word and your scriptures that we have read today. Help us to take these warnings seriously, Father. Give us ears to hear, Father. Help us to be bold, to be courageous, to be bold witnesses for you, Father. It is my prayer for everyone that is listening to this, that we will all walk with you in white. It is my prayer that we will all be counted worthy. It is my prayer that, that all of our families, for everyone that is listening, listening to this, it is my prayer that we will all overcome. It is our desire that our names will be confessed before the Father and before his angels. Father, we give you all praise, all honor, and all glory in Jesus' name. Amen.